You're listening to the New Century Multiverse, Stone Spring Maidens. Chapter 31 She's tore up plenty, but she'll fly true. Washington, May 17th, 1884 Later, the pair sat together in the hangar. Penny's fiancé was quietly entranced, processing everything that had happened over the past few days. The Elaine made sure Harry was sitting comfortably and stayed hydrated in her drifting state, as over the course of the afternoon, many familiar faces gathered. Nikola Tesla, Jeremy Pines and Donald McTavish arrived. Truth sat down on the other side of her sister, soon to be joined by Master Yagyu and Agent Lee. Then came Executive Assistant Director Laura Graham, Surgeon General Julius Kaufman, Captains Samuel Tudor, Ron Harris, and Harriet Blaine, Corporals Higgins, Brent, and Hillary, Private Patterson, a whole host of NIA agents whose names have not yet been spoken, Chester, and a travel-weary operative with a husky in tow, both of whom had recently returned from England, Rebecca Wolverton and Rafe, sat at the periphery, shortly to be joined by Raven. Finally, Ganny, Attar, and Donna Madrigal were brought in. Like Penny, they had been officially summoned with the paperwork to prove it. Harry emerged, recognizing so many of these old faces, and glanced around, blinking, a little bewildered. Penny touched the dreaming lady's hand gently as she returned to this world above and Arlington smiled broadly to see her in it. Catherine stepped out in front of the seated group and spoke in brisk, authoritative tones. Officially speaking, this meeting we're about to have will never have taken place. This location is secure and every one of us is trusted by myself and my senior staff. Some of you will know what the words binary dawn entail. Nine months ago, in August 1883, a deal was struck between representatives of America, including myself and President Grant, and representatives of the greater Majestrix Empire, including Empress Belanova and High Admiral Hera Rubinox. Harry and Penny glanced across towards Attar, who shifted uncomfortably as Catherine went on. The core purpose of the agreement was a mutually beneficial treaty between our two worlds and two species. What we got out of it would be the weaponry to eradicate the Wendigo, and what they got out of it could be a scientific and medical solution to paper bone, a debilitating disease which has been on the rise in their civilization for many decades now. In other words, Two sets of people saw each other and considered ways to overcome their own pandemics through unifying their strengths. Supply of the equipment we were asking for to give us the edge over our infectious enemy was contingent upon the success of a scientific birthing program, hybridizing our species to see if, as predicted, human physiology could rule out the potential genetic risk of paper bone. Nine human women and nine human men were chosen for these trials, with corresponding opposites on the Elaine side. 
should these infants be born with a generally healthy state of being and a reduced incidence of paper bone, it would be pronounced a success and further steps could be taken. As it transpires, Binary Dawn did indeed produce positive results, with nearly every infant emerging strong and healthy. However, our side of the agreement came into question when it transpired that in recent months, Senator McPherson, in anticipation of the presidential victory, arranged new terms with as yet persons unknown on the Elaine side. The evidence that Calendula might well have had a hand in this second deal was substantial. Now it was Penny's turn to feel ruffled and critically observed. We don't know the precise terms of what these Elaine were promised by McPherson yet, but it seems like we're in danger of occupation. And I can't ignore the parallels with the forced birthing of Green Hollow. That was an aspect which the individual known as Mr. White was understandably wary of, though he and I differed on our faith in a positive outcome to the agreement. Last night's attack on both Langley and Gabriella stemmed from his desire to shut down the program. Due to the intervention of several brave people, this potentially inflammatory incident was intercepted and White has been neutralized. Do you mean killed, Frau Director? Asked Dr. Kaufman. We recovered his armor and seized control of his base of operations. Kaufman replied, glancing at both Truth and Harry. My best professional guess is that we shall not see Mr. White again. As I was saying, due to the efforts and sacrifices of many brave people, a massacre was averted and Binary Dawn continues on to its next phase. However, the National Intelligence Agency is now nothing to do with that arrangement. And here a severity crept into Catherine's voice. We have been shut out. And it is in the hands of President Incumbent Henry McPherson and his Secret Service. The transition of power has been swift. Too swift for this new information about his dealings to unseat him from the role of Commander-in-Chief. Right now, President Riley is in the process of handing over the White House and the transfer of old staff to new. But that's treason! Captain Tudor cried out. McPherson has been conspiring! With our allies! Catherine stated firmly. And we can take it to the Supreme Court and attempt an impeachment but the outcome will most definitely remain in question. The greater decision about what's to be done now rests upon the shoulders of those of us in this room. Most of us won't keep our positions for long, and we are now looking at an America that is quite different to how it was under Grant with the Arlingtons running the NIA. Most of us are about to become civilians in a land run by a man who may well cede the territories of the new confederacy to end the war, relinquishing the call for unity. We know he seeks to wipe the Wendigo off the map with new weapons. So that's what our army will be doing. But we also know the disturbing lengths he will go 
in order to secure that power. Not to mention the hidden intentions of his opposites on the Elaine side. Catherine paused and a hushed tone came over the room as she mustered her greatest conviction. Americans are facing a period of tyranny. Everything our constitution was set up to avert is now coming to pass. Those people need a strong, unified force to stand up to this injustice and self-invested manipulation of power. This nation and its people need a resistance. And as of right now, I am drawing the line here. Anybody who does not wish to be part of this movement, you are free to leave. We will thank you for your time and you will not hear from us again. Nobody got out of their seat. Then it's settled. Officially speaking, we continue running the NIA as we have been. Until such time as we are relieved of duty. In the meanwhile, we shall establish a new agency using what is left at our disposal and everything we have learned. Where will we go? Asked Harry. It's a big nation. And what McPherson seems to miss is that it stretches far beyond the District of Columbia. So I would suggest we go outwards, which brings me to our trusted guests from autumn. The quartet of Elaine reacted as those assembled now turned to look at them. I can't and won't ask you to conspire against your own people. But we need to gather allies on the Autumn side, and we need sharp eyes and ears over there so that we know what's coming. Because I have a feeling it's going to be big. We will do everything we can to help, said Donna firmly. Later, when most of the gathering had dispersed, a small group of those who remained stood in the quiet hangar beside two piles of recovered armor. Yagyu stepped past the pieces of Shadow Tiger and knelt painfully beside the scorpion suit he had helped to craft. The old swordmaster cradled the mask gingerly and examined its scarred surface, running his worn fingers along cuts and indentations as Harry and Truth looked on. I am gravely sorry that I kept this from you, he said softly. When something so terrible happens, it is easy to justify many compromises in the name of protection. But I hoped, perhaps, that some good might come of his actions. He pulled himself upright with a little help from Agent Lee, who steadied herself on a new walking cane. I will never withhold the truth from either of you again. For my part, said Lee, I recall a day long past when you two were not yet women. I pledged my loyalty to your father, and I dedicated myself to his work. She gazed at the pair of them, 
her unwavering eyes and solemn expression, windows upon this moment. And I found the limits of that loyalty ended at the point where he could no longer see daylight. She clasped her hands together in dignified fashion, leaned forward and bowed her head. Now you are women, and your father is gone. If you will allow me, and if you trust me, I would like to extend to you that same loyalty and serve in the best way you deem for me. Truth's intense demeanor suggested a measure of supreme restraint. I read the reports on last night. You both helped avert a disaster, and I have little reason to believe we cannot trust you now. She glanced up at her sister. Harry, your thoughts? What do you mean? Do we trust them? Or do we need them? First one, then the other. Alright then. Both. That's settled then. I'm mad you didn't tell me. Harry continued. But I don't even know what I would have done. What I would have thought. If you had. But, like you say, he's gone now. She concluded, maybe a little too decisively. Truth looked at her sister sharply. We will continue to do what we can, said Yagyu, placing the mask back down, to make amends. Donna laid a comforting hand upon Lee's shoulder as Harry gazed at the former double agents and shared a peculiar mix of relief and regret. Where did Spearhead disappear to? She asked, pivoting the subject. Edison has taken his ball and gone home, said Tesla dryly. It seems he has been liaising with President McPherson as well, and has become the epicenter of his new research and design team. I expected nothing less of that born opportunist. I'm glad you're still with us. I will miss his... nothing. He's a security threat, said Truth, darkly, leaning against Steelborn. He knows far too much about how we operate. Then we're going to have to think several steps ahead of him. Catherine told us it's time to prepare. And I agree. But also... Harry stepped over to the enormous, shrouded hulk in the corner. Her hands trembled as she gripped the dust sheet and stepped back, pulling it off to reveal the blackened, burned-out husk of Steamheart. Gani and Attar watched the human approaching her creation with newly understanding eyes. Now she could finally look at it, she spotted glints of copper and could see more clearly that her frame had not buckled. And though the plated flesh had been torn and scorched away from her, that strong skeleton was still there. Harry reached out and ran her fingers over that body, allowing the carbonized metal aroma to influence her senses. She sighed and turned to the rest of them, gazing at Penny, who was watching her, heart beating with pure, adoring love, so hard she could almost burst. Harry 
finished her thought. It's time to rebuild. She's a good old girl. A good old girl. She's lived too long and seen too much all over scabs and scars and such, but she's a pretty girl, kind of pretty girl. If you cock your head and squint, if you recognize the prince of space and time, doing what they do, shepherding her through space of slower stride, time will turn her tide. Oh, it's 
You have just finished listening to Stone Spring Maidens, written, edited, and directed by Alexander Shaw. Harry Arlington and Blanche Manford Stokes, performed by Loretta Saylor. Penthesily Renwick, Truth Arlington, and Laura Graham, performed by Theo Lee. Ganymede Ferron and Frederick Arlington, performed by Felix Quist. Atar Rubens and Jace, performed by Orion Richardson. Catherine Holloway, Amiel, Stunning Lady, and High Admiral Hera, performed by Maya Suris. Calendula Renwick, Agent Lee Ying Long, and Abigail Gray, performed by Sharon Shaw. Donna Madrigal, performed by Shanta Parasuraman. Prologue Narration and Emmett Clemence, performed by Akshdeep Singh Vora. Lamia Clemence, performed by Cindy Womack. Guard Captain Tress, performed by Tanya Milojevic. Sarah Arlington and Poet, performed by Maureen Foley. Dr. Julius Kaufman and Jeremy Pines, performed by Matt Wardle. Captain Samuel Tudor, performed by Spencer Lieb. Tess, the mother, performed by Victoria Luna B. Grieve. Hugo, the butler, performed by James Batchelor. Guard Deeth, performed by Alexa Vargas. Lieutenant Elaine, performed by Debbie Morse. Corvin, the working father, performed by Kevin Vahey. Chester, performed by Dan Mayer. Guardians of the Wind Door, performed by Toby Skeels, Jungius, and Greg Downing, who also portrayed the political mortician. Messenger, performed by Mackenzie Eastrom. Captain Blake and Stone Company Sergeant, performed by Jesse Ferguson. Corin, the boy, performed by Willow Shaw. Mr. White. Thomas W. Arlington. Toshiro Yagyu, Nikola Tesla, Ulysses S. Grant, Miguel Alejandro Delgado, and narration by Alex Shaw. Good Old Girl, composed and performed by Marianne Cole. Make Your Decision by Dan Philipson of Shockwave Sound. Stonespring Maiden's theme, Far Destiny, and The Princess Thieves theme, Arrival, composed and performed by I. Sazanov of Shockwave Sound. Steamheart theme, where the West Begins by Ferenc Hegedus of Shockwave Sound. Off-Road Warriors, specifically composed and performed for New Century by Gilhaim Steinberg. Flare, Still, Black Heat, Run, Dawn, and Attic, composed and performed by Ross Bugden. Emotional Choirs by Carlos Estella. Highball, performed by Charles Redland and his orchestra. Washboard Wiggles, performed by Tiny Parham and his musicians. Solo Cello Passion, performed by Doug Maxwell. Panama, performed by Louis Bacon and his orchestra. Harlem Shuffle, performed by Lloyd Scott and his orchestra. Frankie and Johnny, performed by Harvey Brooks, Quality Four. Jack the Lumberer, performed by Alexander Nakarada, courtesy of Free Vibes. The Star-Spangled Banner, performed by Chase Holfelder. Autumn Air Who by NCM. Raindrop Prelude by Frederick Chopin. Dark Conspiracy Theories, Dark Ambience, Suspenseful Chase, Torn, and Please Don't Cry, performed by Fesslian Studios. Relaxing Piano Music, Dance Macabre, 
The Machine Thinks, Terminal, With the Sea, Phantasm, Pangaea, Winter Reflections, Frost Waltz, Eastminster, Long Note 3, Send for the Horses, Past the Edge, Infidos, Ossuary, Devastation and Revenge, and Thunder Dreams, composed and performed by Kevin MacLeod of Incompetech.com. All other music and ambience composed by Tabletop Audio, who make amazing tabletop gaming background ambience and have formed the undervoice of autumn. Special thanks to Victoria Luna B. Grieve for helping creating the history and sociology of this world. To Orion Richardson for his extra perspective on the trans experience. To Chris Eason for assisting with perspective on disability. This story is dedicated to Joel Robinson, a healer. Harry and Penny Arlington will return. Epilogue. Gabriella, day 18 of Epona. Springfall, 1884. Above the aerodrome, Hera Rubinox stood upon the bridge of the Medusa, with her gloved fists crossed in the small of her back. A long yellow coat, magnificently cut, draped down to her knees. Her jet black hair was adorned with a lightning bolt of gold. High Admiral. A voice beside her, Captain Blake, dressed smartly in black and blue. We finished the final report on last night's incident at Binary Dawn. All test subjects survived unharmed, along with their hybrid progeny. No vital equipment was damaged, and the only casualties were Imperial Guard. We have also had word that the humans have dealt with White themselves. He's dead, and Holloway and her department will be dismissed and dismantled by the end of the season. And the eye patches? The opener and the closer? The openers still stationed on their father's western shore. The Closer hasn't reappeared. She may, in fact, be gone off through that portal for good. Hera smiled like a viper. That That is absolutely absolutely wonderful wonderful news, Captain. Her cruel golden gaze was cast downward at the scene far below the Grand Gallia, which hung in the sky near the Angelfish shipyards. The Armada is nearing completion. And it looks looks like like it's it's going going to be be a beautiful beautiful day. day.